1: Hello and welcome to episode two of So I Got To Thinking, a weekly podcast which attempts to answer the soul-searching questions set out by fictional journalist Carrie Bradshaw in the HBO series Sex and the City. Each week, Dylan Jones, who is this week wondering, doesn't anyone in New York smoke anymore? <laughs> and me, myself, Juno Dawson, an author and journalist, will ask if Carrie's musings are still relevant for 2019. What have we been watching this week, Dylan? We've been watching Models and Mortals. It's Series 1, Episode 2. Yeah. What um, do you think? Yeah. Well, tell tell us what happens first. Give us a little rundown. So the theme of the episode
0: is men who date models. (laughs) Apparently, there's this breed of men in New York who only date supermodels. Sure, I mean, go with that. Yeah, it's it's limiting yourself to quite a small pool, isn't it? And I'm not sure if I. I'm not, like, maybe if Darren Starr's listening, he can tell us whether he just made that up because I find it quite unbelievable.
1: It was one of the original columns. Oh, really? And I do know that as a columnist, <clears throat> and as Carrie Bradshaw pointed out, some weeks it's harder than others and you might end up writing about your sock drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect the week that Candice Bushnell in the early 90s wrote um, about um, the modelizers. Yeah. Um possibly she was... Coming to the end of her journalistic tether, <laughs> but okay, let's for the sake of this podcast, let's go with it. Yeah. So, well, so, a modelizer is a man who exclusively dates models. So I had a little yeah. tiny burp for you to enjoy there.
0: <laughs> yes, and Carrie investigates this mm-hmm. by she goes to a fashion show, doesn't she?
1: Her first fashion show, yeah. first of many.
0: Yeah, that was opening a can of worms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and. Uh, What else? Oh, she speaks to a couple of guys who date models. Mm -hmm. And something that I... We were talking in the previous episode about ways that it's a little bit cooler, season one. Yeah. Something I like about it is they have little Vox Pops with random people. Yeah. Which I quite like.
1: Yes, I mean, it didn't It didn't last long as a format. I was a big fan of, was it Zanderella, the yeah. supermodel?
0: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Paris. What, what was it she was saying? A boob job. A boob job. <laughs> <laughs> Trips to Paris. Uh, um, and I loved that model as well. He was like, I'm very literary. I'll read a whole magazine cover to cover. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, it was a very different thing. I think this episode is important in that it kind of establishes that fashion was very much a character in this show. Yeah, It was a show that lived and breathed fashion. Yeah. And I will say, to be forgiving of both Candice Bushnell and Darren Starr, I've never lived in Manhattan. Have you ever lived in Manhattan? No. Maybe there are models roaming the streets. I mean, if you are a model, there's a likelihood that you will be living in New York. But then we've both lived in London, another fashion capital. Yeah. They always stand at a mile. During Fashion Week in London, you see these very lost looking Pearlish girls on the tube clutching yeah. a map and a portfolio.
0: Do you know what? I I really related, I remember watching it at the time. Um I remember watching that episode when I was interning at Dazed. (laughs) Um, and Self-fashion. Yeah, I know, right? And really related to to that line where she's like, here models are actually allowed to run free in the wild. Because it's so true. And it made me, like, when you see, when you kind of have that to compete with, because like, be going to like clubs in East London, uh-huh. and they'd be not unlike Chaos, where they like to go, uh, and there would be models there. And it just seems so unfair that you've got these people to compete with.
1: And I think as well. So again, as as we keep coming back to, this was twenty one years ago. This was the age of Naomi Campbell and Cindy mm. Crawford, Linda Evangelista. I think mod- models have changed, yeah. and and thankfully, this is something now. You know. The models that I know, um, Leomi Anderson and Charlie Howard, neither of these women are what we would consider traditional models in that Leomi is black and Charlie is a curve or plus-size model. Uh-huh. And now when I when I look at models, we do have trans models. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually your average runway model doesn't look like Cindy Crawford anymore. They They kind of can look a bit weird and unusual and a bit like an extraterrestrial. And that's a great thing because... Yeah. I think fashion has changed.
0: But this was the age of, like, the kind of waif, waifish... Kate
1: Moss, yeah. ...blonde spaghetti Kid, straps. Yeah. Uh,
0: and you saw it in TV as well with, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar and uh Calista Flockhart. They were, like... So thin. Skinny, yeah. so thin, yeah.
1: Although that said, Carrie is very, very thin. We've, we've not yeah. seen her freakishly turned abs just yet.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I I think you're absolutely right. Like, it really put across how that time period was so obsessed with models and uh-huh. fashion. It really was, I think, more so than now.
1: Yeah. It's I, hard
0: to compare, though, really,
1: isn't it? It is. I mean, Carrie's question this week, because, I mean, obviously, for, for the vast majority of us, being in direct competition with a supermodel probably isn't going to trouble our lives too much. I cannot <laughs> say, have you ever been dumped for a model? Not that I know of. No, not, not that I'm aware of either. I mean, I wouldn't like to come up against, you know, if it came down to me and Munro Bergdorf, I suspect any man would choose Munro. Um, <laughs> She'll but, love that if she's listening. Yeah, hi, <laughs> But Carrie's... We'll have to get her in. She can give me a guess. Um, Carrie's yes. question this week is a slightly more universal question, which is how powerful is beauty? Now, this is the question that we can both yeah. have an opinion on yeah. because I'm sure as young people who live in the city... Um, well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because this is... What we're going to have to do now is we're going to have to assess our beauty, compare <laughs> ourselves to other people, and try to work out whether or not there are advantages to being good-looking. So, Dylan, you're incredibly beautiful. <laughs> do, do people give you herbert's photos, photos, jobs, oh trips God. to Paris?
0: Oh, God. I mean... Yeah, it's just so easy being attractive. I mean, no, <laughs> no I mean, I, I thought that that question was, and this is me completely dodging what you've just asked, I thought that question was more kind of, I took it to be more any kind of beauty. Mm. Um, and I think beauty now is massively powerful if you look at Instagram, yes, and I think beauty, kind of the beauty of people, is possibly now more monetizable, if that's a word, and more important than ever. Yeah, which is kind of awful. Um,
1: Do you know that? Because I hadn't even thought about Instagram in this, which is obviously was a, it would have been like Black Mirror to carry the notion <laughs> of models rising up. <laughs> Through so Instagram and I think you're absolutely right because what Instagram has done is it's removed gatekeepers which previously used to tell us what beautiful was in that a very a very few casting directors and agencies would say this and is what beauty and journalists would yeah. say this is what beauty looks like yeah. whereas now we're all very much free to curate our own cults on Instagram and and <laughs> so again now you do see hundreds of thousands of Instagram accounts which do say Personal trainer slash model slash influencer. And yeah. that that the word model has come to mean something different. I'm not gonna name any names, but I okay. know friends who are Instagram models yeah. or influencers or personal trainers, and they do. They get sent free things, free clothes, yeah. free watches, um And good for them. Good for them. I'm I'm doing one. I've got a free trip to Thailand in a couple of weeks. There you go. That's, I mean, I will be doing some influencing. Fair. Um, Yeah. Hashtag ad. Hashtag spawn. (laughs) Um, And this, but that said, I'm not sure it's because, but this is it. Maybe it is. No, again, I don't want to say, sit here and say, oh yeah, I'm I'm so beautiful. They're sending me to Thailand. Um, (laughs) Trip to Thailand. Boob job. Uh, So, um, but. I think, is it my name? You know, is it the clout that I've I've worked my way up as a journalist and as an author? Or how do we separate that from the fact that, is it also because my face fits? I've literally come from a casting for a cosmetics company yeah. today to do some like brand ambassador stuff. I mean, so I
0: think, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I no, think go. in a way to answer your question, regardless of what we think of our own beauty, I think that we both work in the world of media and we both know that the answer to that question is yes, beauty is important and is powerful. And if you're beautiful, you get more things, <laughs> which God, is... is
1: really dark.
0: Episode two, with I know. the truth. Oh, my God. Truth. But bombs. it's true, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not a good truth, but it's true.
1: And I was told, right. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're back in Trans Corner, Dylan. <laughs> uh, Hello. We should Welcome have a little jingle. Tra- yeah, a little ding, dong, ding. <laughs> um... When I, so it was, I think, so I came out to my friends and family in 2013, and I think in about 2014, I was telling, um, I was speaking to another trans woman at a glitzy Stonewall event, and I was like, well, actually, not a lot of people know this, but I'm about to start my transition. And she said, just in all seriousness, make sure you're pretty, and walked off. <laughs> and I was like, shit, because obviously, at the time, that was quite a daunting thing to hear, but she was so right, because awful but you know if you are a very conventional looking pretty woman Mm. your ride as a trans woman is easier and I hate admitting that Mm. but it is true and I think you know that wasn't when Carrie asked that question and what's interesting they don't really give us an answer and they certainly don't give us a solution because I think really what in an ideal world beauty wouldn't have as much clout as it does. But it does.
0: Um, something that your your story just then just reminded me of my own experience with it. I remember vividly working in a restaurant in Covent Garden mm. years ago when I first moved to London. And a girl came and gave in her CV. And the CV got taken by someone else back to the manager who was in the back. And he looked at the CV and he said, is she fit? And the person who brought, brought him the CV was like, oh, she's OK. And he was like, oh, and just screwed up the CV and threw it in the bin. Um, so that's like a really aggressive example um, of that in action. Um, anyway, <laughs>
1: no, I, mean, I suppose because yeah, what Harry hasn't done in this episode, <clears> and so I think, um, and the the subplots. Well, we'll come to the subplots shortly, but um, it gives any sort of way out because I suppose the solution is is to change what is beautiful. Now, this is the good thing. So we we've talked about the slightly dreary nature of instagram influencers yeah but the other thing that has risen out of social media is body positivity yes which is hopefully moving the goalposts of what is beautiful and i like to think out there that there are people of color people with disabilities um bigger people plus size models who are getting just as much free crap yeah. as the ones who just look like they're going on love island
0: yeah that's true that's a good way of finding a a good approach to it. <laughs> and I like
1: to think that if, it, if Sex and the City was in 2019, maybe that's how Kerry would have resolved
0: this yeah. issue
1: by saying, yes, beauty is powerful, but we all have it in us to redefine beauty.
0: It's interesting that it's not resolved. I wonder if she kind of leaves us to draw our own conclusion, our own inevitable conclusion. I mean,
1: the conclusion <clears> is that <throat> modelizers are awful. Yeah. But then I think we could have established that as soon as they introduced the word modelizer. I yeah. think the clue, the clue is in
2: the title. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Title.
0: Something else that occurred to me, I'm interested to hear what you think of this, was how it's interesting how the four of them, except Samantha again, mm. express their uh, discomfort at having to contend with models, when they're all stunningly beautiful women yeah. <laughs> as well. Very thin, stunningly beautiful women. So if they feel like that, imagine what people sitting at home must have felt like. Like,
1: And I think, yeah, we still said <coughs> last week that at this point in episode two, it still felt grounded in reality. Yeah. They weren't sitting around Carrie's... And I love the bit where they they have the takeaway, the Chinese food for yeah. Carrie's strangely remodelled apartment since yeah. episode one. And um, they're like
0: chucking that magazine around, aren't they? Yeah, like,
1: and the. <clears throat> they all think, oh, I hate my thighs, I, you know, and they're all complaining about what their bodies look like and, th- like, looking. I think it's Cameron Diaz on the front of the magazine yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. So, But Cameron Diaz causes them to have, like, an emotional breakdown. But it's interesting because at that point, they all look, like, aspirational yeah. but not, not crazy. They don't look. And I think in later seasons as it moved on and the doll had a little nips and tucks done, it like it took slightly different. yeah. But at that point, they did look like four aspirational but human women. and yeah. that was that was a good thing about it because over on the other channel, you did have Buffy or alias, where everybody looked, just incredible. Yeah, so they did still look. Yeah, I normal. mean,
0: Sarah Michelle Gellar just, like, looked unreal, didn't she? Well,
1: it was the rise. I always think it's interesting, and this is completely off topic, but there was in the, in the 80s you had women like Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis, mm. Daryl Hannah, yeah. very athletic, almost quite masculine. Yeah. And then I think Winona Ryder at the end of the 80s kind of changed the mould of what women in Hollywood looked like and they became very elfin and waif-like. And it
0: kind of reverted to, like, sexy baby a little sexy bit. Sexy baby. Yeah.
1: I mean, then that reached peak sexy baby with Natalie Portman in Leon. Oh, my who God. Is, sexy baby oh my gosh, and, and I, yeah. I still think we're slightly still stuck on sexy baby and we haven't really moved on oh my gosh stop saying sexy baby <laughs> but um, can we talk I think let's have what let's invite Woke Charlotte in for as a reminder Woke Charlotte yeah. is is a character created by the Instagram account Every Outfit on Sex in the City and they have imagined what if Charlotte had been Woke for 2019 <laughs> in 1998 what would Charlotte have to say about this episode Dylan well well, I'll talk
0: about something that I know that you noticed, mm-hmm. but first I'll talk about something that I noticed. There's a line where Samantha is talking about, I think Cameron Diaz on the cover of the magazine, mm-hmm. and says that's not sexy; it's starvation. At which point, woke Charlotte would probably say, "Well, let's not judge fat or thin women. Yeah. <laughs> let's not, and let's not make fun of eating disorders either." Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was that, and then there was the oh, filming.
1: Oh, Barkley! <laughs> now Barkley, Bar- Now he is. Absolutely delicious. I would totally date Barclay. He went on, of course, to be one of the series leads in Suits, Meghan yes. Markle's yes. big TV show. Gabriel Macked, I believe, is the actor's name, and he is delish. Now, he plays one of the modelizers, an, an artist who lives in a Sir Hull loft, having yeah. seemingly never sold a painting. We've all met him in London. I liked that line. Um, we all know <laughs> one of him. He gets his rocks off by shagging very young models and secretly taping them without their consent or knowledge,
0: yeah, when Carrie asks if they know, his answer is, "I don't know."
1: that's not good enough, yeah, no, it's not and good it's enough, not consent, yeah, um I mean, work, Charlotte wouldn't just have opinions on this. She would call the police, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that that w- should have been what Carrie did, if we're <laughs> honest. This man is secretly making. Sex tapes.
0: It says so much, doesn't it, about how things have changed. The fact that she is shocked, but it's kind of like joyful shock. She sits she's and like,
1: watching. She's
0: like, oh my god, is she like doesn't she like light a cigarette? Like I she's, she's, she's like, is. oh wow, this is so scandalous. Like, no, Carrie, call the police. <laughs> this
1: man is bored. well. Oh, it's. I mean, I'd love to. We should have invited a lawyer in for this episode to ask where these poor women stand legally. Yeah. But um, either way, I think being filmed without their consent of having sex definitely constitutes some form of sexual assault. Yeah. And then, of course, Samantha partakes. Yeah. In in the ruse and by, asks
0: where the camera is.
1: Yeah. By and uh, then allows allows herself to be filmed.
0: And that's described as her getting the ultimate validation isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Which is... Being treated like a model. Yeah, which is an interesting way of putting it.
1: Being raped like a woman. <laughs> oh, which is really what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to be treated like any of these other sexual exploitation victims. Um, now, this of course taps into one of the biggest criticisms of I guess any show but it really does kind of you know, you can't have a show about four women sooner or later without the feminist credentials of the show being examined. And this is damning evidence. Mm. And as we know, this episode was written by a woman. I checked. It was a f- female scriptwriter on this one. Interesting. Um, but of course, we know the show was run at the time by two men, Yeah. Um, which has always been held over Sex and the City as being a the problem with its feminist credentials which is all oh, that they are women behaving like gay men yeah but but like i've said i sort of watching that and being kind of like perplexed at how they thought it would be fine that these women were being secretly videotaped i i quite purposely went back and made sure the episode was written by a woman and it was i'd be
0: curious to know whether it had critics at the time of that of that scene because we find it shocking now oh mm. Uh, and if that were to air on a contemporary show can you imagine that being on a Netflix show well No, I can't.
1: Well, it it would, but that would be the problem. So you can absolutely see it happening in Thirteen Reasons Why. In fact, it did happen in Thirteen Reasons Why. That's why she kills herself. Uh So you said those those themes. It would be a huge. Yeah. Yeah. Those those, those (laughs) themes, you know, those themes are being explored, and I think especially because obviously camera phones have meant that we can all get in on Barclay's act, should we choose to, Um, and so I think the rise of social media again, has necessitated much more in-depth conversations about privacy.
0: Perhaps it's... I'm not sure quite where I'm going with this. Uh, Perhaps that's why we find it so much more shocking, Uh, as well as the obvious, like, sexism, feminist angle. Perhaps we find it more shocking because now uh, secret filming, like revenge porn and all of that, is part of our uh, daily kind of dialogue and consciousness. Back then, maybe, like, filming someone with a video camera for sex might have seemed a bit funny and a bit quirky and a bit weird.
1: Presumably much harder for him to share as well. Yeah, So yeah. possibly, I mean, maybe the reason Carrie isn't horrified is because it wouldn't have even entered her head that he could have learned those films. Yeah, because
0: he, he wouldn't have been able to. No. Not that it makes it okay, obviously. But, um. <laughs>
1: Still not okay. <laughs> yeah. Dylan digs out his old camera. Oh, God, yeah.
0: But maybe that, yeah, maybe that is, that is what it is. There was another slightly perhaps woke Charlotte thing. I'm not sure if this was me being... Too sensitive, but I didn't like. We meet Stanford for the first time, don't we? In no, episode? he's in episode one. Oh, is he? It's an episode uh-huh. one. Um, oh, he gets
1: the bone. Yeah, he's got the bone. Oh, I love that. Actually, the bone is one of the sexiest men in Sex in the City history as well. Oh,
0: see, I I don't know. I don't know.
1: I like that he's just a simple country boy. Yeah, with a very just, beautiful profile.
0: He's, he does have a good strong nose, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought
1: he doesn't like it. I
0: thought <laughs> I hate my nose. It's oh too yeah, big. true. I thought it was a bit didn't paint gay men in the best light, Stanford's behavior in that episode.
1: Because we have to remember, that Willie Garson is not gay.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he's much, much gayer in the pilot episode. It was like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Like screaming along. And he completely, he dials it down, even in episode two. I mean, and continues to kind of dial it down, I think.
0: I actually think as a whole, Stanford's character is okay. Mm. But in this episode, it wasn't good. Like, he was kind of sort of pathetically lusting over this straight underwear model and kind of there's a scene where she walks in and he's like massaging this other one and it's a little bit like
1: he touches oh. up he touches up Derek the bone as well yeah he, he does. does prod prod and poke poor derek
0: yeah and it was kind of a popular perception of gay men at the time that oh. they were always after straight men which is sometimes true in,
1: in the book <laughs> um, in the book he's completely in love with the bone the bone is a recurring feature. See
0: that makes it a bit more mm. that gives it a bit more of a deeper that makes it a bit yeah. gives it a bit more sense. But it seemed really superficial and really seedy, which yes. I didn't like. Um again the
1: whole the whole thing <laughs> had a grit across it that it yeah. later they later sanded down a lot of that grittiness. Um Charlotte and Miranda don't have an awful lot to do in this episode, I think it'd be fair to say. Oh, we barely... Skipper Skipper is still on the scene. Yeah. Um and Miranda sees herself reflected in Skipper's glasses. <laughs> I love that. And she sees herself as beautiful through Skipper, which, again, isn't wildly feminist. We shouldn't need men to validate True.
0: it. Literally the male gaze through Quite the sunglasses. Quite literally, yeah. Uh, I liked that she kind of grabbed him and put... Like put him yes. against the wall. That was good. We Skip barely, her. we barely see, um, <laughs> we barely see Charlotte.
1: Charlotte doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. No, but yeah. she, she. Don't worry, she'll be back. I think that's strangely season one. Particularly, Charlotte didn't have as much to do as the rest. I think she was very much the fourth character. Yeah. Whereas Miranda, Samantha, and Carrie had a lot more to do.
0: I've noticed that with other TV shows, though, they kind of spend the first season or two working out where all the characters oh. fit. There are somewhere, like, you literally won't see a character at all for like three episodes if it's a show yeah. with like a lot of characters in it.
1: Well, I mean, Cordelia is the obvious one in Buffy the yeah. Vampire Slayer where they, it felt like they really didn't know what to do with her and Angel for that matter. Sometimes characters have to kind of establish themselves and I think Charlotte was the one that took the longest to yeah. be established. Um, I'm pleased to say that after after the pilot episodes Zero people of color with lines of dialogue. Yeah, um, this one has two. Yeah, and what we're doing each week on this podcast is I am going to um, assess how many people of color get lines of dialogue. It has it's been a long-held <clears throat> criticism of Sex and the City that it is stiflingly white. Both of these characters have names. One, <laughs> I, mean, I know they're doing so well. Um, one is of course the woman at Miranda's awful dinner party yes. where they're encouraging their terrible friend to date interesting women. Yeah, and the other is Miss. Mr. Biggs' model date yes. to the party. He's he's got a model date. Yes.
0: So although they have dialogue, how much airtime put together do they have?
1: Next to none. It's
0: about three seconds, probably. More or less. <laughs> Possibly yes. a bit more. To be fair, like ten seconds, maybe. Because yeah. the dinner party scene, you see her a few times, yeah. don't you? Uh, that's a scene that I loved. That's I a great. That scene. Yeah,
1: that kind of stuff, and they didn't do that sort of thing an awful lot. Yeah. That sort of sending them off. And the notion as well that they have other friends.
0: Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, Carrie has other friends.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, who are they? Yeah. Because um, I think... Soon we're about to meet Susan Sharon as well, who I love. I love Susan Sharon. Susan Sharon. Susan Sharon. <laughs> Susan Sharon. Um, but yeah, Miranda has this whole, whole other group of friends mm. that we never see ever again. Although I suppose she's only there as his date, isn't she? So yeah. I suppose that figures. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think... How many how many scrunches from in Georgia would you give this one, Dylan?
0: I... I didn't enjoy this one very much, I think,' because it felt I don't know, maybe a second episode's always a bit weird. It felt a bit it felt a bit rushed, and I think, like I said to you the it just felt really unrealistic to me, the premise like men who sleep with models it just seemed a bit like random mm-hmm. um, so I think. Th- I think three out of five scrunchies. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't. It's not particularly memorable, is it? There aren't any memorable moments.
1: The next time, of course, we go to a fashion show will be season four's "The Real Me," which is often held as one of the very, very best.
0: I mean, film. certainly one of the greatest moments. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, we, but we will No spoilers. Uh, please do join us again next week, so you have a whole week to watch episode three, and we will. That's sorry the season, homework. Season, season, season one, episode three, and we will be here this time next week to talk all about it. Yeah, what's
0: episode three? Is it models Bay of Married Pigs? The Bay of
1: Married Pigs. What a name! (laughs) Yeah, such a good title. (laughs) Cool. Um, Thank you for listening. I've been Juno Dawson.
0: I've been Dylan Jones. And
1: we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.